I want to talk today a little bit about Jesus' race. And there's this incredible image that of um, the 2021 Olympics. You know, as we run our race, in some ways this kind of epitomises the Australian spirit, but also the spirit of the kingdom of God. And uh, here we've got uh, Cedric Dubler, and he raced the decathlon, a very gruelling leg. And, um, and he's encouraging, actually, his uh, bronze medal um, companion there, Ashley Maloney. And Ashley was only 21, and he was struggling. And this guy sacrificed his own leg to come back in this race and encourage his teammate. And together, the team actually made... They got a medal. They got a medal finish. And these guys were, were running a, a temporary race. We run an eternal race. We run a race too. And uh, we have a God who is with us, who's given us his Holy Spirit, who's given us one another to run the race of life and faith. And I want to read to us from uh, Hebrews. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured and sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. What an incredible passage that reminds us of our forerunner, Jesus. The one who has gone before us. The one who not only initiates faith, but perfects our faith. And you know, it's not a sprint. You've heard this before. It's a marathon. Life is a marathon. And there are different legs to a marathon where, like Cedric and his friend, his compatriot there, they're running a marathon with different legs. We're handing on the baton to some people. We finish our part, but we are all heading towards the finish line of life and faith. We often think of Jesus' leg, if you like, his, his race, as being the three years of ministry. Don't we? You'd often, you'd be right in thinking that, that it was about his ministry. But actually, Jesus, Jesus' race, like yours and mine, it started right from the moment of conception, right from the moment of birth. See, sometimes we separate life and faith, but actually they're integrated. The, the, the race that we run is inherently human, but it's also inherently spiritual. And Jesus lived it all. He wasn't this just God-man who just kind of had this divine anointing to be able to run his race. And he actually had to overcome. He had to overcome challenges, in fact, right from birth. Right through to the moment he gave up his life. He ran a race. 33 years of life, quite young really, taken early. 
but did so much for us. I want to look at his race this morning, as it says here in Hebrews, so that we don't become weary. We don't become weary. Don't give up today, church. Don't give up today on your faith. Don't let the world ring out hope. Don't let the world sway you from the path that God has you on, which is an eternal prize. It's God himself. And he has sent Jesus as a forerunner, it says. We're going to get to that soon. What's a forerunner? A forerunner is someone who goes ahead and makes a way, who shows us the path. I mean, we often think of Jesus' miracles, as I said before, as being maybe his baptism. That was a pretty significant moment, wasn't it? We often think of these religious highs or these spiritual highs. Maybe it was his first miracle at Cana. His teaching to the disciples and the crowds. His confrontation of the religious elite of his day. His love of people and the championing of justice his betrayal by a close friend, his arrest and execution at the hands of unjust and indifferent world, and his resurrection from the dead. It's, this makes for a good plot line, doesn't it, for a movie? In fact, they did. They made one called The Matrix. Love it. It's the plot line. You could follow Jesus' life right throughout that movie because it's gripping. But as I said, Jesus' journey started long before this. And I believe that you and I, he relates with us. He relates with every part of our lives. And in this sense, he's a forerunner. When he goes ahead and he grows up from an infant to a teenager, to a young man, and he's navigating his own identity, he's navigating career options, he's dealing with opposition. He's giving us, he's laying down for us as a forerunner, a template for how to do life God's way. How to do all of life God's way. The world wants to make dualisms between what's spiritual and what's secular and what's, you know, you can kind of keep that in this little box over here. And as long as it doesn't impinge on the rest of life, we're happy. But no, the Lord calls us to live all of our lives in faith. Hebrews 6, 19 to 20 says this, This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and reliable, one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus, our forerunner, Jesus who shows us how to overcome. Jesus who shows us, if I think about the times in my life where I've hit barriers or obstacles, like you, I'm sure at first you kind of freak out, you go, how do I navigate this? How am I going to ever get through this? But then we turn to a place in our faith of prayer that allows us to stand and to overcome. I want to look at as I said before, Jesus' experience, he ran a marathon for us. He's a forerunner. And don't think for a moment, as I said, he's done this in some kind of, he's got a loophole where he's gone, I'm the son of God, I can do it in divine strength. Because it didn't actually happen that way. 
In fact, in Hebrews 2.17 and Philippians 2.5-11, it talks about Jesus emptying himself of all divine, of all divinity. He emptied himself. He took on flesh. He made his home amongst us. He identified with our highs and our lows, with our struggles, with the brokenness of this world. We don't have to look too far to see the brokenness of this world. So let's look at his journey for a moment. There's 25 legs to, or stages to Jesus' marathon, I've, I've worked out. You might find a, a few more than that, but I've counted 25. Um, Lara, where's Lara? Probably up the back. She did um, a swim leg last week and came third in her age group, raising money for cancer. Well done, Lara. And she stood on that podium and she received a reward and accolades. And that's a small leg. Jesus had 25 that I can count. Let's have a look at them together. Maybe you can identify with a few because I've had to overcome. It's true. Matthew 2, 13 to 23, he, he had a trouble. He had trouble just surviving his birth. Herod wanted to kill all the children. So he had to flee. Imagine if you had to flee with your child. Imagine if you had to, imagine the instability if you're suffering violence. And there are people who actually encounter it. So Jesus had trouble just surviving birth. Imagine how that would make you feel. He learned to be a son. He had to come under his parents' authority, it says in Luke. He learned to be a brother. Imagine being a half-sibling, not always being accepted. That There's that sense of you're a bit different or you don't quite fit in. Jesus experienced that. He suffered temptation and resisted it. There was nothing about his appearance to draw us to him. Wasn't a particularly good-looking man, I imagine. That's if we, if we trust what the scriptures tell us. There was nothing about his appearance. Look at young Harry here, stunning, <laughs> handsome young man, succeeding. Jesus didn't have necessarily all of those attributes going for him. He was not popular by worldly standards. He was a man acquainted with many sorrows. I imagine he carried emotional burdens at times. He had a career. He had to find himself in the world. He, had, he was a carpenter. Worked with his hands. He, um, he had to have faith in his own identity and life path. Am I truly called to be the son of God? He would have, I imagine, had to wrestle with that. He was tested in his own soul and spirit. Taken out into the wilderness where he was tempted and had to overcome and fight with the word of God. He defended the weak and the outcasts of society. He taught us how to live in right relationship with God our Father, an incredible teacher. But by the time he reaches this point in his life, often it's the, it's the trials and the pushing through and the overcoming of our faith that forms the narrative of what we have to offer the world. And Jesus went through all of this. You can see his journey started long before his formal ministry. And so does yours. 
You, you don't have to have a bit of paper to be a minister. We are all ministers, it says in 2 Corinthians 3. We are all ministers of the, of the new covenant. You have something to offer. Your life, you have had to overcome. You've had to resist this world and its temptations. I'm working through with my children at the moment just the onslaught of things in the media and social media to do with um, sexuality. Our young people are facing an assault on their moral framework. How do I relate to the opposite sex? How do I navigate the things of this world? Well, Jesus shows us how. The word of God shows us how. He taught us how to live with God our Father. He identified the true cause of sin and brokenness in our global community, our spiritual adversary, Satan. He suffered rejection and ridicule and opposition. He loved those God had given him to the very end, it says. Let's go to the next slide. He saw those of us who were yet to come and prayed for us. Imagine the burden that he carried, the sins of the whole world on his shoulders, you and I. He, you know, he saw you, he prayed for the church. He saw you. He prayed for your faith. Incredible. He set his face like flint towards his goal and destination despite knowing the horrific cost of what we call Good Friday. He was betrayed by a close friend and abandoned by others. Have you ever felt abandoned or unjustly treated? Jesus can show you the way through. He willingly went to the cross and took on our shame, humiliation and death, showing ultimate love to lay down your life for a friend. He cried out, it is finished, an acknowledgement of him crossing the finish line for all of us. Sin is broken. Death is defeated. A door has been opened to the Father for reconciliation. You and I can now have a relationship with our Creator. An amazing message. He was raised from the dead and witnessed by over 500 people and his message, life, teaching and identity as the Son of God were emphatically vindicated, meaning our faith and trust in God is not unfounded. Read all of 1 Corinthians 15, the most accurate historical text of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that empty tomb and all that it means for our faith. It is founded on this one reality. Without the resurrection, Jesus is just a good man who died. But he's not just that. He is the Son of God, raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father. He acknowledged after his resurrection that we are all now brothers and sisters through him. He ascended to the right hand of the Father where he now rules the nations until he returns a second time to gather his people and judge the earth. As a result of Jesus' race, we now run our race of faith in God in Jesus' footsteps. We have a running mate, the Holy Spirit. 
we have one another. This was Jesus' marathon. What have you had to face? What have you had to overcome? What are you facing at the moment that makes you despair, maybe of hope? Can I make it? Can I get through this life? Can I achieve the things that I believe I'm created to do? The answer is yes. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to look glorious because it wasn't that way for Jesus, but he made it through. We have a running mate. In doing all of these things, in running his race, Jesus paved a way for our race. A track marked out for you and me so that when we encounter temptation, rejection, opposition, weariness, hunger, even death, we know this is not the end but rather an opportunity to trust God and overcome through Jesus, our forerunner. Think about your life for a moment. Those parts that you even deem uninteresting. As a child, you may have been kind of brought up in a remote area. It wasn't a big city. It wasn't something kind of interesting. You may not have been born into wealth. You may not have a particularly famous name. Maybe you weren't popular. Maybe you were overlooked. Maybe you had learning or health challenges. Maybe you have a fairly ordinary job or no job at all. Or you come from a disadvantaged background. Even astrophysicists would say our planet sits remotely. There's nothing. There's nothing around us. They would say it's empty, devoid of hope. What a message that the world wants to offer us. But actually, this is not the message of the Bible. This is not the message of Christ. God created the heavens and the earth, it says. And when sin came into the world, he made a provision through Jesus Christ, a promise to send a saviour, to redeem the earth. So you and I, we don't necessarily have all the trappings of this world. In fact, the world might even look down on us and say, you're not enough. Paul acknowledges this in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose these things, despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. That's why it says you and I were saved by grace through faith. It's a gift from God. What the world considers shameful and of no value, God scoops up and says, you are the very epitome, you're the very thing that I value. So how can we run our race of life and faith with Jesus? I've got three quick points. In having looked at his marathon, how do we run like Jesus, the forerunner? 
Number one, we run this race as to win. Attitude is everything. Don't lose hope. Don't become discouraged. Pick yourself up. Pick others up with you like Cedric. He's picking up his friend and running, saying, come on, you can do it, cheering him on. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26 says, don't you realise that in a race everyone runs, but only the one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. We need to have purpose in our faith as we run this life, this, run this race of life and faith. Let's run with purpose. What really matters? What really matters? Does it matter that whether I can earn an extra five or ten grand in a year and I push myself or do I invest that time into God's priorities, people? Now, I actually believe that if we prioritise what God wants us to do, he will provide the gap. He will provide the gap. But if we go into a place of fear, a place where we think I've got to meet the needs and the race I'm running, I am heading in this direction, but I just need to kind of veer off for a moment and do a few things and then I'll come back on track. It can be hard. But run your race. Runners to win. Run with purpose. Number two, take note of the terrain. We need faith. It says, for shoes be shod with the shoes of the gospel of peace. You know, the way we run is a firm foundation in who we are in Christ. We need to run knowing that we are loved, that we are saved. It says in 1 John 5, 1 to 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. This is the good news. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Love, uh, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith through trusting God, through resisting the things of this world that are embodied sometimes in political structures or social structures or messages that come against the values of the kingdom. We push back with our faith and we say, no, I'm not going to consume that or I'm not going to allow that to dictate my thinking or my decisions or who I am, my identity. I'm not just going to go along with the flow. Our faith pushes back and it says we overcome this evil world. We don't mean that people are inherently evil. There's a, there's a, a presence of evil in and of itself, a culture that is embedded in our world, a spirit of this age that seeks to deceive. And that is what we're pushing back against. We love people. We're not saying people are wrong. We love them, but we push back against the spirit of the world. And so it's our faith that overcomes. Wear, the, wear faith like shoes. Yeah. Know who you are in Christ. Run that race with the right footwear. Number three and lastly, run with one another amongst the cheers of those who have gone before us. Yes. You know, as people, we stand on the shoulders often of those who come before us. I had leaders who I love and honour 
they had leaders who they love and honour. And we go from faith to faith, the Bible says. So when we run this race, think of those who have gone before us. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, it's a life of faith. We live a life that is embedded in faith. It's the life of faith, not just faith, and this is life, it's the life of faith. Everything we do can bring glory to God. Let us strip off, it says, every weight that slows us down. This was our opening scripture or part of it. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. God sets the race for you, not the expectations of others, not the opinions of others, not the opinions of this world or even well-meaning people. God sets your race. That's what we're accountable to. And Jesus is our forerunner. That empty tomb means everything today. He is risen. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You might express that differently to the person next to you, but it lives in you nevertheless. And so I want to encourage us today. We're going to take communion in a moment. I hope you've got one of these. And Lara's going to lead us in a, a song.